Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rose irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the voices behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Georgie, Cassie, Mahika, and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast. Uh, hello, and everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Women's Cricket Chat. You've got me, Georgie, joined by Alex, as always, and we've got a superstar Australian for you today. Yes, we actually do let them on the podcast, even in a <laughs> series. I mean, I wouldn't let my flatmate use Aussie shampoo, but Erin Burns. <laughs> the podcast. you're allowed on I'll just have split ends instead of using the nice shampoo but you're an Aussie we're happy to have oh thank you very much Australians do make very good shampoo so you know you're missing out there but I can understand for the next couple of months maybe you want to refrain yeah and so fresh from game for the sparks today how much are you enjoying playing over here for the sparks as part of the Charlotte Edwards Cup Rachel Hayhurst Lynn and what enticed you to come on over Yes, it's been great fun. Um, so we've been here three weeks today, actually. So we've managed to get in a few games. So I've played 250 overs for the Rachel Hare Flint. And then we've just started, obviously, the Charlotte Edwards Cup. So we're two games into that as well. So, um, yeah, managed to traverse the countryside a little bit already, which is good fun. Um, I'm over here with uh, with the family. So my wife and, and son, Jack, 16-month-old little boy is kind of over here kicking about as well, um, living his best brummy life. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're in the heart of the Midlands and, and doing doing our best for the Sparks. But um, it's been great fun so far. I got approached by Eve Jones, <clears throat> who I've known for a couple of seasons from playing with her originally for the Phoenix uh, first year of the 100. And uh, she she just said, oh, look, what's the chances of you? Have you wanted to come over and, and doing a season for the Sparks? And, and originally I was, uh, I kind of just, uh, shelved it just primarily because obviously it's a lot of time away from home and um, wasn't sure obviously with the young family how that would pan out but um, 
Uh, my wife Anna was just back at work. She's a school teacher, so she was just back doing two days a week casual. So she was pretty flexible. And um, Jack was just in daycare a couple of days. So we're just like, well, why the hell not? So um, here we are over with your English. Uh, I'd say summer. I don't think it's officially summer just yet, however. But um, we're warming our way into it. So it's um, it's been um, it's been good fun so far. Yeah. So obviously the clocks have gone. So it is technically British summertime, but we don't actually consider it summer until June. Yeah. When the sun kind of comes up. And obviously, yeah. having been in Birmingham now for a few seasons, would you consider yourself an honorary Brummie, seeing as you know the area quite well due to playing for Phoenix in the 100 now with Sparks? So we want to know where's the best place to go in Brum? <laughs> Well, I think I was the first season of uh, of the hundred. Probably doesn't really count much because, such as COVID life, we weren't really allowed to kind of go out and explore too much. But my other Aussie mate that came out, um, Katie Mack, and I uh, brought both our bikes out, so we managed to uh, get a bit of pedal power behind us, and and we did a couple of day trips out to various places. Stratford was one which was which was pretty cool, and that wasn't kind of too far away. But um, probably best place, and being an Australian, we need good caffeination obviously so probably the best uh best coffee in town that we managed to manage to suss out would be quarter horse coffee roasters i would say um pretty close to town um and you can't really go past medicine bakery for some fine fine baked goods so we've um definitely been hitting up those two places since since being back but since um we're based here for a few months um we're more living the suburban lifestyle so we're out near solihull um area which is about 20 minutes out of out of birmingham so we're um we're trying to kind of suss out the new lay of the land out this way now. There's definitely somewhere around Knoll, there's a really nice pub restaurant kind of place called the Orange Tree that you should go to. Okay. Just because okay, my granny and grandpa literally lived like down the road from it. So that's like the only place I know in that part. Of the okay, country. perfect. But enough on the, the delicacies of Birmingham. We want to know about Aaron Burns, the cricketer, the human. Um, so we can start things off and go way back to how it all started. How did you get into cricket in the first place? I guess, you know, cricket's a pretty popular summer sport, but I have an older brother and three older stepbrothers and a cricket mad dad. So when I was a kid, I just got draw, uh, brought along to all my brother's matches and it was either join in or uh, or watch. And, you know, watching cricket as a young kid is not the most enjoyable thing to do. So, yeah, I just thought I'd do everything my brothers did. So um, I just joined in with them in what would have been probably like under 10s, I guess, or under 11, something like that. And um, started playing with them and then played a bit of school cricket because just had that experience with my brothers and, and really liked the game. And then from there, just managed to get in a few representative teams through school, uh, through primary school and then and then high school. And then from that, uh, I guess, got scouted for the New South Wales set up. And then kind of the ball was rolling from there, I guess. I played all my junior cricket for New South Wales back home with my state program. And then when I came out of those programs, the New South Wales team was was um was just stacked. I think they had 10 or 11 Aussie squad contracted players. So I made the move down to Tassie, to Tasmania, which has a weather, I would say, akin to the UK at times. So I am a little bit used to, I guess, the, the cold in some respects, um, playing a lot of cricket down in Tassie. So I was down there for the best part of seven seasons, seven or eight seasons, and then made my way back up to New South Wales. And in the meantime, played bit of stuff with sixes and and a bit of Aussie stuff and um, been pretty fortunate to be able to play in New Zealand and obviously UK and and more recently in India and and all over the shop so it's um yeah it's been a pretty cool progression I guess for me to see both sides of the coin when 
you know, when I first started playing, I didn't know, I wouldn't have been able to tell you one women's cricket player in the world to now when, uh, you know, kind of those kind of big names are kind of mainstream media. It's really cool to see. And you mentioned that you've played in sort of all over the world now. And the world is sort of trying to catch up with the Aussies still. They're so far ahead of everyone in the professionalisation, the money put into it. Where, how do you feel that gulf still is between the Aussie and the rest of the world? Yeah, look, I think, I guess, just from my very brief experience being over here for this domestic stuff this season, like, I think, you know, one glaring difference is that you have full contracted players for the entire squad in our domestic setup. So we'll have between 15 to 18 players that are fully contracted, depending on the state. So the state has the um, ability to to decide on how many full contracted players they want. But in, in that, they are there's a minimum standard and it's, and it's uh, essentially fully paid. So players don't need to have to necessarily juggle you know, a lot of work, you know, that kind of balance between work and, and playing and training and all the rest of it. So I guess that's one, I guess, very obvious thing. And I know from talking to a lot of the girls over here, obviously, um, that that number of contracted players is certainly going up and up and up. And that's a really, really cool thing. But I think that's, yeah, definitely something that is quite noticeable, I guess, from the get-go is that, yeah, that ability for back home to have an entire team or squad I guess fully contracted and able to to live and, and breathe cricket as much as they want to obviously within reason is uh, something that certainly I think sets Australia apart I guess the programs in terms of uh, facilities and all that kind of thing like you've got some amazing facilities here and I've certainly been able to be a part of that and some fantastic support staff and coaching staff and and some incredible talent as well so yeah I, I'm not sure if there's any one particular kind of thing that that kind of stands out but but certainly that ability to to put more money into the women's game and um, and lift that up from from the ground up, I guess, as well. has been uh, pretty pretty cool to see from an Aussie point of view. And having been part of the women's game for a long time, what are some of the differences that have happened during your time playing women's cricket, obviously other than contracts for all Aussie players? Where do you start, I guess? <laughs> as you mentioned, I'm no spring chicken, so I've certainly been around for for a for a little while so look I uh, from when I first started I guess if you if you take it outside of outside of um junior cricket I think my first season we uh, we got allowances we got food allowances and we got our our travel and accommodation paid for but that was it so um certainly not a career path it was kind of something that you did for fun and because you love the game and um and for the opportunity to you know push yourself and and potentially kind of get to that higher level but it certainly wasn't anything that was seen to be yeah a future career path so from from that to the introduction of Big Bash, so we're going into our 10th season back home for the Australian uh, T20 League, which is pretty crazy to kind of think. But from pretty much from the introduction of that, I think that really helped to boost, you know, the profile of, of women's cricket back home so that you are now seeing, you know, the faces of, of women athletes. And obviously I'm speaking mostly from a cricket point of view, but across the board, whether it be uh, football, sorry, I was about to say soccer, God forbid, football, netball, obviously back home, Aussie rules, which is a, a type of football league as well. Yeah, it's, it's really, really like, it's, it's honestly night and day. Like it, it was 
something that kind of operated in the background of consciousness of the media when I first started. And now, you know, to for me, I guess, kind of certainly a highlight of my career is, you know, being on stage with Katy Perry after the T20 World Cup and and dancing around on stage to 50 odd thousand people who who stayed around after the game of a 90, 87,000 um, people crowd of the MCG. Like, yeah, it's as I said, it's it's just kind of gone from from strength to strength. And I certainly expect for that to continue as well. And you mentioned that T20 World Cup, which seemed like such a sort of landmark moment, not just for Australian cricket, but for cricket as general. We're in England, we sort of talk about the 2017 World Cup win as a landmark moment for the English game. But that was quite a global sort of change in opinion across the world, really. What was it like to be part of that Aussie team that then won? And then, like you say, got to dance on stage with Katy Perry? Yeah, yeah it was a pretty surreal experience obviously but I think throughout the campaign we were just kind of going through the processes there was obviously a lot of out, outside noise and a lot of a lot of you know talk about you know could this be done and you know the, the I think the hashtag was fill the G so there was like a lot of promotion and energy to try and you know break this world record and to kind of get the the MCG packed out in hindsight on the on the eve of COVID kind of breaking out kind of around the world globally so to number one it was again very serendipitous. You look at that campaign, and and so many things could have could have been so different. In England's right, you guys should have really been in the final the day of the semi-finals. The games got switched around so that you know Australia game was on of the later match, and then the India England game was on earlier. So that game that got washed out. Obviously, we sat around thinking our game was going to get washed out as well, and then you know the the, the gods that be allowed it to happen so that could have easily changed and then obviously to have a have a home home team final versus you know India which is the biggest cricketing nation in the world let's be honest was pretty serendipitous in trying to kind of get that momentum and and kind of get the hype of a of a final of what it, or uh, to be everything that it could be so yeah to be a part of it as I said was um it kind of like this linger, kind of like a lingering thunderstorm. Like you know, it's in the background, but it's a while off, and you can kind of hear the rumbles every now and then. But yeah, everyone seemed pretty kind of set on like just going through their processes. And then you know, once we kind of got to the final, I think everyone before the game even started, I think breathed a bit of a sigh of relief, being like, "Oh wow, this is like absolutely incredible to kind of see before a ball had been bowled." You know, someone sitting on the top tier of the top uh, stand of the MCG is a, a pretty cool cool feeling to know that you know women's cricket or women's sport created this kind of hype and this this desire for people to want to witness it firsthand so yeah it was a it was a pretty amazing experience and since then obviously so you've made your Aussie game right in 2019 mm-hmm. it's a very difficult team to break into to be part of because there is such an a such a wealth and depth of talent in Australia how do you manage that one when you know that you could be there or thereabout? And there's the idea, obviously, we've got Ashes coming up and the Aussies will all be over here this summer and then looking ahead to more World Cup coming up over the next few years. How do you focus yourself on just looking at your game and then potentially, hopefully, breaking back into an Aussie side, if that were possible? Yeah, I think I've I've always been someone with the mentality of one day at a time. So <clears throat> certainly when I got the call up for the Aussie stuff in, in West Indies 2019, I it wasn't on my radar. I, um, I'd um i had a, a good season with Sixers and 
a pretty decent season um, in the WNCL, but I certainly wasn't thinking necessarily that, you know, Aussie colours were on the horizon for me primarily because exactly what you just said you know we have such well, grateful to have such to have such depth and and um that kind of thing in, in Australia that you know it, it's you know you never can really kind of count your chickens really in that respect but yeah I managed to to make my debut over in over in Antigua and and, and uh, really really enjoyed that se- uh, series like who doesn't love a bit of time on the beach in Antigua and Barbados right so um yeah that was that was pretty cool and then I guess for me unfortunately um leading into the World Cup I I had knee surgery um to remove a floating body and then I missed all the the warm-up games for the World Cup because my knee was still calming down and then obviously after the World Cup COVID happened so it was kind of like not fantastic timing for me kind of personally but I guess in terms of you know aspirations to represent your country you know you can want it as much as you as much as you want but as long as as if you're not putting performances on the park then then your you know your likelihood of kind of being able to push for those selections and stuff is is zero so again I've always been someone that just tries to take one thing at a time and and you know the opportunity to come over here and play some cricket in the UK you know obviously after you know a bit a few other franchise competitions prior it was bit of a no-brainer once I kind of cleared it with work and and got a few you know things to line up with um with family stuff so yeah I'm just uh, at the moment just really enjoying kind of sitting back and and enjoying my time over here playing some regional cricket and then obviously you've got the 100 coming up just a couple of months away now and yeah. playing at Birmingham Phoenix going to be captained as we found out yesterday by Elise Perry who is obviously a player you know very well and the world knows her and it was her that gave you your cap wasn't it when you made your Aussie debut so it must feel like you're sort of back together with an old mate again a Sixers friend an Aussie pal back at the Birmingham Phoenix and now captained by her yeah yeah it's awesome yeah I have a lot of respect for Pez she's um she's obviously an incredible cricketer but I would say an even better person so yeah it's a it's a cool and again there's something about the Phoenix and this might be just from the first year as well and being able to even though it was a tough year by way of COVID restrictions and things I think that really bonded that group together so I feel even kind of coming back into that squad obviously after um, not being around that squad last year I feel like a sense of um, you know coming home so to speak and Ben Sawyer being being the head coach there who was also head coach for Sixers for a number of seasons and then yeah now um, Elise being being captain yeah it's a it's a it's a cool feeling I kind of feel immediately like pretty comfortable with it but as I said also it's um you know you always relish these days when you get to play with with people the caliber of of Elise and obviously Sophie and and Amy and and a bunch of these um up and coming young local girls as well so yeah really really looking forward to to the Phoenix. Georgie obviously mentioned earlier about you know the MCG selling out to capacity 90,000 or whatever it was can't remember off the top of my head which is absolutely mammoth and with women's sport being on the rise and with there being a women's female football world cup this summer how excited are you and what's it what, what's the coverage been like and what sort of support have have you seen for the matildas yeah well obviously the the world cup is is coming up i mean not not too far away so and you know our very own sam kerr who um just kind of casually 
you know, score the winning goal the other day for, for Chelsea, is doing amazing things back home for, for women's sport, I think. Um, as I said, obviously for soccer, but not only for that, but just raising the profile of, of um, the women's game and the women's space in general. So, yeah, I think there's a big groundswell behind it. Um, obviously, um, we've punched well above our collective weight, I think, um, when it comes to football. The Aussie girls are always, you know, put a really good performance forward and, and to be able to have a home World Cup, I think that's only going to raise the profile of that even more so yeah hopefully we can kind of see a see a similar turnout for for the for the Matildas back home in in the next little while um, I know there's been a few little kind of whispers going around with, with certain little things and a bit of drama going on from a um, broadcast point of view but hopefully that gets ironed out and um and um yeah the world can see how good these girls play imagine Sam carrying the flag the Aussie flag at the coronation. One week doing that, next week scoring at Wembley. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> and so we find that sport is sort of a vessel for change and using a platform for something. And something you're very passionate about is, you know, the Sixers especially are very good at this. They celebrate LGBTQ+. How do you use your experience and your place as a producer, you and your wife and your son? How do you use your space and how much development have you seen in the game, in the women's game, but also across cricket as a whole. Yeah, I I think there's been massive changes. I guess you know leaps forward um, in that space, not only in the in the sports space, but I think just as a general kind of community space as well. I know back home we had the legalization of same-sex marriage in 2018. After this big conjecture plebiscite blah, blah, blah. But essentially after that, that for me seemed to be a big turning point in terms of representation and real celebration around LGBTQI rights and I guess exposure in, in mainstream media. I don't think necessarily for me, I'm uh, w- one to, like if, if spoken about it, like I'm so incredibly proud of my family and my wife and my son and, and what we're creating. But I think just being comfortable in your own space and being able to share your story and share how you got from how you got to where you are now, being able to really be supported um, by not only the cricket community, but just the community in general kind of back home has been um, something that, that yeah, certainly I've been, you know, pretty passionate about. And um, yeah, I guess in terms of using my platform, I don't know, I kind of, um, I always get a little bit coy thinking that, you know, you're, you know, a, a, an elevated person in the, in the public media because that just makes me feel a little bit awkward. But certainly I would really like to think that, you know, for young kids or whoever coming through that is having some, any kind of, you know, worries or concerns or, or hard times kind of coming to terms with themselves and, and acceptance around that, that they can look to people like myself or, or other people in, in the LGBTQIA community and, and gain some kind of um, some strength knowing that, you know you can um, have a family you can be comfortable in your own skin and, and you can be celebrated in all all formats whether that be you know just daily life school life university life sporting arena uh, business arena or whatever it may be and that's what I think is so great about women's sport in general that there are the allies because we all know with men's sport they are very far behind times they've still got that toxicity in the locker room so I think it's great you know to have yourself Matilda's captain Sam Kerr there are all these great allies to look up to I just wanted to know when you were growing up was there anyone that you sort of looked up to or looked to or anyone really that you sought out for advice um 
I probably wouldn't. I, I would just probably say my, my friends that were probably my age, to be perfectly honest with you. I think I grew up at a time where it was still very taboo, you know, to... I think women's sport in general had like quite a stigma around it, particularly cricket. So there was a lot of, I guess, again, I'm talking when I was like a teenager kind of coming through a lot of, um, I guess, people not wanting to accept certainly their sexuality or uh, I think it was a very different time to what we're seeing now. I think I certainly love hearing and as I mentioned before my wife is a primary school teacher so she teaches you know kids up to age kind of eight and nine and they do a lot of stuff in the classroom around around different families or you know promoting you know the LGBTQIA space or you know whatever it is about acceptance and and just people being different and being able to accept that and you know the younger generation it is awesome to kind of see and hear the languaging around it and you know that there is just acceptance of of who you are and who you are as a person and who you decide to love is just not a thing anymore, which is um, which is just so so great to so great to hear. So yeah, I think in terms of if I necessarily spoke to anyone for advice, I think honestly, when I was a kid, I was just feeling it out and going with the flow. I know that I certainly went through times where I didn't feel comfortable with myself. I didn't feel comfortable with my sexuality. I certainly didn't feel comfortable about expressing that in an open forum that wasn't just my inner circle. So I feel like through through talking with my with my close friends that. Some, some some who are also gay and some who are not, you know, and I guess bouncing that kind of conversations off them to go, you know what, you're like, I am accepted and I am loved with by the people that, that mean the most to me kind of gave me a lot of confidence and gave me a lot of courage to then be able to project that to the world. So it took time. <laughs> it took, um, you know, a lot of time to really process it and, and come to come to grips with and to be able to express that openly. But I think that, like, the... The way that the world is now, you know, don't get me wrong, there's obviously a long way to go, but it is certainly going in the right direction. I think there's some really encouraging signs for young kids coming through that they can be themselves and hopefully a lot earlier than what I felt like I had to be when I was a kid. And I also definitely think that women's cricket and women's sports seems to be a much more accepting place for people to be who they are. And that's what I think is so great about it. It's not just, you know oh, you're, you're a sports person, you're this, you're that. Like Women's sport is very much more accepting of whoever anyone is and whoever they believe is. Everyone's just here to play some cricket, it just seems like. Yeah. That's what we like. Yeah, I hear it yeah. quite I'm like, oh, but women's cricket seems, you know, it just seems like quite a, not a friendly thing. You know, they're like, oh, everyone seems to be mates. And I'm like, no, everyone actually is mates. They just play against yeah. cricket. Like, it's just how it yeah. is. And then it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll you for the 100 next week, but right now I'm going to bowl you. So, like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 100%. And coming yeah, back no, to, it is a fantastic community for sure. Coming back to bowling and cricket, obviously you're playing with the Central Sparks at the moment and enjoying your time there. But we have seen you take already some speckies in the field. Um, there was, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a flying Aaron Burns taking catches. Um, is that something that has just always been such a big part of your game, being absolute fun in the field? Or is it something that you've <laughs> developed over time? Because sometimes it is proper to sing from Wicked Defying Gravity. 
Yeah, I, I've always loved fielding. I think particularly in the short format of the game, you know, you're in, you know, you're really in the game a lot more when there's a lot more action kind of coming your way. So I think it, it all stems back from when I was a kid. And I've got a very competitive brother, my older brother Mitchell, who I'm very close with. Um, we were forever playing classic catches in the pool or um, throwing balls around at the beach, and it was always like trying to one up each other. So from a young young age, I'd always be throwing myself around in the field and yeah loving the feeling of testing the boundaries of seeing how far you can go so um I guess guess now it's kind of something that yeah I, I certainly like to you know uh, I pride myself on is is my fielding because I I think it's probably the one aspect of the game where everyone's together and everyone is working towards the same thing. You know, batting can be quite a individual thing, even in, in bowling in some respect. But I think, you know, coming together and fielding is, is the one moment in cricket where you're all kind of like working together and everyone can kind of, you know, at the same time be doing their, their one percenters to be able to make some really big change in the game. So, yeah, I think it's probably a, a little bit of, you know, one tablespoon of total disregard for your body and and um another a spoonful of i don't know just to try and see how far we can kind of get and have a bit of a crack at that catch or that stop and is that the kind of wisdom that you impart on the youngsters that you get to play with because obviously you're playing alongside the likes of Davina Perrin who is 16 which mm-hmm. is absolute madness that's like nearly yeah. that's almost half my age you know um <laughs> What's it like to be able to play alongside such young players and see that the likes of her and Anna Baker are going to develop into these insanely good cricketers in the years to come? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah, when Davina said this, she was 16, I was like, what? Yeah, some incredible talent getting around. And and certainly if I had, um, you know, as as much talent as she did when she was 16, I'd be pretty, pretty, pretty stoked um, to be able to you know I, I think the, the first day I met her at the Nets I'm like hey how how are you and she's like yeah good um yeah I'm like oh what do you bowl because we were both bowling together in the Nets and she goes oh a bowl off spin leg spin and a bit of seam and I was like okay <laughs> it's like just insane the, the, the amount of talent these kids but yeah I think like in terms of what I say to to the girls I guess most of it's just you know encouragement and and if you know I I can kind of help with with certain kind of aspects of the game I'll just be having conversations really most of the girls are super open and super receptive to to any kind of feedback or or even particularly Davina like she's got a really good cricket brain on her and she's got like she's like a sponge like she just wants to soak up all this knowledge so um, I think that's a really really cool thing to have as a young not only cricketer but just a young person in general is that ability to be able to take on you know bits and pieces from different people and and probably acknowledge that you know you're never going to get you know all of your information from one person and it might take you know little bits from little like lots of different people to kind of find that recipe that might kind of work best for you so yeah I, I guess just having having those uh conversations and so talking of the development of youngsters, how much do you think, I mean, you've been part of the 100 now for both seasons so far, how much of an impact do you think that's having on youngsters globally, giving them more of a platform? And then also we have to touch on the WPL as well and Fair Break and the opportunities those are all giving to more female cricketers around the world. 
Yeah. So I guess firstly for for the hundred, um, I think it's done amazing things already. I think it's as soon as you put women's sport on a pedestal, I think you'll see development left, right, and center. So I think you, we I've certainly seen that myself over the course of Big Bash. Um, now coming into its tenth season, the amount of kids that are now coming through you know your Davina Perrin ages that started because they watched Big Bash is really really cool to see in here so I think that that kind of thing will only filter down now certainly with the 100 being as successful as it has been over the last couple of seasons and being able to put it on in summer holidays when you know, kids are off on school break, hopefully good weather on a day where there's, you know, music and dancing and all the rest of it, make it a big spectacle. And to see, you know, women on, you know, live sport, television, all the rest of it, uh, those help to, you know, put women in front of people's faces to be like, hey, this looks really cool. This is something I want to be a part of. And also for people and get people watching the sport that that haven't watched it before or who have kind of had, I guess, an idea in their head as to what women's cricket might look like or might be and then be like, well, actually, this is a really good product. I want to be involved in it. So, yeah, I think that not only, as I said, does it give them a platform to for young kids to for to I guess be visible that these people and these players that that potentially hasn't been you know in front of people's faces and and you know what do they say you can't be what you can't see kind of thing right so I think that that is only going to increase you know year on year on year on an exponential um, trajectory if the hundred continues to the way that it has done the last couple of seasons I think in terms of the WPL that in and of itself is just a whole new beast isn't it I think there's been you know obviously a lot of chat about it over the last couple of seasons and you know what the IPL has done for men's cricket was was huge when it started what a good 14 seasons or something like that ago so I think to finally have the WPL and see how well it was received and and the the hype about it over in India obviously but worldwide was was pretty amazing and to, to I guess to be a part of it and to see everything that was India cricket like come together in this one moment to really kind of like celebrate you know the female game and and just like female athletes over there was was incredible so that I think those two kind of things are very different and then moving on to the fair break, which is just in and of itself, it's just such an incredible, it's just, it's an incredible movement, I guess you'd kind of say, as much as anything. Um, the ability to create opportunity for for players from all around the world in developing nations and, and to, to play alongside those nations that are, you know, the the top echelon, I guess, of, of cricket is invaluable, really, to create as I said, like this platform where, you know, the, you know, people from Papua New Guinea can play alongside, you know, your Nat, Nat Sivers or it's just, um, it's something that, you know, I think that cross-pollination of different cultures and different uh, backgrounds and, and all that kind of thing is is something that is really, really cool, not only from a cricket point of view, but from a from just a, a cultural point of view, from, from learning how, you know, other people grew up and the opportunities that other people have been given just purely from where where you were born and and, and your privilege in, in that is um is super humbling or it certainly was for me being able to be involved in Fair Break this season in, in Hong Kong. So yeah, I think that that's got yeah, it's something really, really special about Fair Break and hopefully that can continue to, to you know, create more opportunities for particularly those those players that are coming, coming up and from those developing nations. 
So would you say is that something you look forward to when you play these comps? Play, you know, not just playing with established internationals, but playing with, like you say, players from Papua New Guinea, the Associate Nations, UAE, places like that. It's obviously great for them and for yourselves, but you, it's also, like you were mentioning, a great way to share your experience playing at the big stages, their experience of perhaps bowling a type of spin that you might not have seen before. Yeah, 100%. I think it's uh, definitely something that goes both ways. And I think you could look at it from an outsider and say, oh, well, obviously those players are, you know, more experienced from an international kind of point of view or that are coming from a from a nation where, you know, the, the setup is a lot more professional, all those kind of things. They're the ones that will impart all the knowledge. But I think it goes both ways. I think not only is it about a skill set, but it's also about a resilience and a mindset that, you know, sometimes that can get lost a little bit when you get everything handed to you on a silver platter. So, you know, these people from associate nations have, you know, I don't think the, the, the first thing that comes to mind um, when you grow up in Thailand is, yeah, I want to play cricket, you know? So, yeah, I think that that kind of like passion for the game and that that drive to really really be so invested in this sport that is not accessible and not particularly easily to to necessarily you know find a league to play in let alone you know have the funds to be able to support that is something that's really really cool to just be able to chat out with these people that are coming from vastly different backgrounds than myself. Yeah, I guess it's, it is about that equal opportunity. And we saw you and a few of the other Aussie girls at Fairbreak this year. And so talking of Aussie cricket, we can't look at this summer without looking ahead to the Ashes. It's now, what are we? Coming towards the end of May. And mm-hmm. it's just under a month away. The first test match, first women's test match starts a month yesterday in five-day test matches. Where do you stand on the idea of women getting to play more Red Bull cricket? Oh, I'm massively for it. And it just, it's a no-brainer for me, the fact that we can have five-day test matches. Like, the amount of times that, you know, and particularly being in England, right? Like, if there's a day of rain, then you're almost guaranteed in their results. So I think, number one, the first five-day test match is a massive milestone and hopefully hopefully that continues. So hopefully that's the new benchmark because as we saw last last year um, in Canberra for the for the te- four-day test down there, which was an absolute cracker of a test match, you know, had that had an uh, option to go to five days then we certainly would have had a result. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's hopefully the way forward um that there's more red bull um that comes into the women's game i think traditionally you know perhaps the the mindset was that oh you know females can't can't handle that kind of amount of of workload or whatever it may be but hopefully now that mind sh- mindset is now changing and and we can get go back to an actual you know hopefully an ashes series with three tests and and maybe maybe a, f- a couple of short format games but yeah i think that's a really really exciting thing obviously not only the the five day kind of test but but the potential that then there could be more more test matches on the on the horizon i honestly think my sleep schedule when that ashes is on is just completely out of kilter you just sort of get to that point you're like right men's ashes started i'm now nocturnal i would like to my flatmates <laughs> okay good night and i'm like well i'm just gonna start watching the cricket now and they're like well that's it because One's French and one's Finnish as well, so they, they don't know what I'm doing, what's going on. And one, I tried right. to play the cricket and it was like midnight. I think Rory Burns was yeah. out the ball and I was like, just go to bed. I'm going to be grumpy. 
just go to bed. And then that yeah. when the women's is on as well. And then that test match, I was like, I haven't had any sleep. So I'm relieved yeah. it's over in England. Um yeah. am, am I right? And then the, there'll be an Australian A team alongside. Yeah. So do you know when any of these kind of information will be announced for us to us to have a ponder over? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I was talking to a few of the girls just at um, Sparks, obviously, today and asking if they know when ECB is um, announcing Ashes, uh, the Ashes series, uh, sorry, Ashes selections for the both the first first 11 and the, and the second 11. But no, nothing has been... Uh, nothing has been revealed as yet. But, yeah, so I think that there's a... There's a certainly a three-day warm-up game. I think the Aussie A girls play England and vice versa. So the England A girls will play Australia in the lead up to the to the test. And then a few kind of interest uh, matches against Aussie A's, England A. Um, and then I'm assuming, obviously, there will be a couple of games going on whilst the actual Ashes series is um is happening and with potentially a few a few girls filtering back and forth across the squads potentially i guess because uh, obviously there's three formats right so yeah i i think watch this space i surely it can't be too far away because i feel like you know we're nearly there but uh yeah we'll hopefully find out soon enough and um, who do you have your eye on you're obviously over here in england you've seen a lot of the england girls around who's going to be who do you think will be a key player when it comes to England obviously you spent a lot of time with the likes of Sophie Eccleston you've been at sixes with her she's always a big game player yeah like I, th- I don't think you can really kind of go too far past so she you know she's incredible across all all three formats obviously no one gets mostly kind of for her uh for her short format stuff but um yeah she's a absolute competitor and you know it's just so so incredibly consistent so I think I think she'll she'll be big for them I think it'll be interesting to see who they pick from a spin point of view for the for the for the rest of the squad obviously Charlie Dean had a bit of a a bit of a uh, crack last Ashes series so I'll be interested to see who they pick with there whether they go with a, a leg spinner and potentially a Sarah Glenn or or what they what their spin attack does look like and then in terms of in terms of their bowlers obviously Catherine Brunt hanging up the uh the spikes officially so that will be it'll be interesting who fills that hole I think you know there's some incredible talent with pace bowling attack going around at the moment but for me I'm incredibly impressed with Emily Arlott from from the Senny Sparks um she is a fantastic player and she's been playing and bowling incredibly well so um yeah she might be one to i'm i'm, I'm putting my dark horse tag on em i reckon she uh she might be one to watch this summer i love that you're like my semi sparks yeah <laughs> and you talk of the likes of Catherine brunt who we've known in england as sort of the role model one of the women's cricketers that we've all grown up watching really how much does it mean to you to know that there are so many more of you now that young players can look up to and want to emulate like there could be any young boy or girl out there be like i want to take speckies like erin burns or i want to take (laughs) like burnsy bowling in my hat and that kind of thing yeah, it is pretty cool, and um, as I mentioned earlier, it is you know it's a bit a bit wild to kind of think that that you're of that kind of I guess privileged pedestal that you do have that uh, ability to you know be showcased as a, as a um, a role model in some respect. So yeah, I think it's a really cool thing. I, I wish I as a kid I had you know people to or the visibility of women's cricketers um, that we that we have today. So and that you know, in, in large part comes down to 
the visibility across all platforms, you know, this podcast, for example, yeah, obviously television, media, print, all the rest of it. So yeah, it's, it's really heartening. I think obviously Catherine is one in a million. I don't think you guys will probably have someone as, as passionate as her and as, you know, someone that really kind of just embodies the whole kind of English pride, but, you know, you, you certainly have um, a wealth and of depth, um, you know, waiting in the wings to, to, um, to try and fill those kind of boots, so to speak. But I, I certainly think that her legacy will will be probably passed on. Hopefully, hopefully, there's not too many young fiery girls out there that want to be as as kind of white line fever as her. From a from an Aussie point of view, I say that personally, right? But um, yeah, no, she's um, yeah, an incredible incredible player, and certainly, I think that she's probably not lost to the game. I'm sure she'll probably be still involved in some respect. I think for that one, it just depends what kind of mood Wongy is in. Sometimes she'll be like <laughs> proper passionate, other times she'll just be a bit more subdued. But I wanted to ask in terms of advertisement for the Obviously in England, the ECB have made a... Yeah, there's certainly a lot of um, like television advertisements with, with both the girls and the, and the guys involved. Um, you know, Lisa Healy is usually... Um, on there with you know a couple of the boys or certainly Elise Perry gets gets a big gander as well in a lot of those uh, advertising campaigns but yeah I think that there's been a big push to try and kind of create a one club kind of mentality in some respects from a cricket Australia standpoint and yeah there's been recently back home a, a new MOU that's just gone through uh, with cricket Australia to try and you know keep on lifting up the the female game and that not only comes with um, obviously an you know, increase in, in um, salary, um, certainly across the board, not only domestic, but obviously the international girls as well, but, you know, a lot a bigger push in terms of the amount of um, money that's spent in terms of trying to promote the female game as well as the men's and um, grassroots cricket as well. So, um, yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of visibility with, with trying to create that, you know, kind of one team mentality and particularly you know nothing more incentive I guess than than an Ashes series in England to do so. I think that's also something that's filtering down finally onto more of the men's side it's difficult because the likes of Thunder and Lancashire are so intrinsically linked that you know it is almost one club anyway it's difficult as Sparks because you're not necessarily Warwickshire or Birmingham but they do seem to be getting on board. Obviously, you've got double headers going on, which is really exciting to be able to play at Edgerton in a double header. How much further do you think it needs to go? Uh, with the regional stuff? With just the whole idea of men's cricket embracing women's cricket and just celebrating it for what it is rather than it being such a separate entity. Yeah. Like, I, I would quite like... And, and I guess it's traditionally a little bit hard. Well, certainly at home, if you look at Big Bash, for example, because they're separate seasons. Obviously, if you look at an, an international schedule, you know, they're different schedules. So apart from obviously when the Aussies tour England for, for this kind of Ashes series. So I think I think just trying to, uh, I guess, expose both programs together, I think from an early stage, certainly kind of even in grassroots, in pathways kind of programs, you know, having the boys coaches coaching the women and the women's coaches coaching some of the men, I think that would 
would do wonders because again like I kind of touched on I guess a little bit earlier I think sometimes and I'm not sure again uh, about it in England but women's coaches get get earmarked with oh you're a woman's coach and the same thing in the men's space so I think you know that kind of just kind of mentality changes and, and, and I guess tactically thinking about different things and imparting that across both women and the men can be quite beneficial and then even just creating a little bit more I don't know if a buddy system is a, is a right kind of like term but yeah trying to kind of like create a bit more cohesiveness and I guess continuity as one club like it's all well and good to do these like token kind of you know oh we're all here together for the launch of blah and then you all sit on different tables and you all do different like you're all kind of quite segregated anyway but I think really trying to create relationships means that you actually have to spend time and obviously when you're in your own squad then you spend time but if you can kind of create a little bit more consistency with you know having a bit more to do with the men's space and the women's space vice versa that would be a really really cool thing to I guess create a little bit more of a cohesive kind of unit and as you said like a one club vibe or or culture. Yeah I mean I can't say I'd ever want to be playing mixed this kind of level thank you very much I don't need to be facing Mitch Dark with the ball but either <laughs> I like the idea of it crossing over but I don't need to be across the line together unless they've had many many beers and I haven't I think that's how I would go with it but um <laughs> enough of the serious yeah. stuff because I feel like we've kept you forever and you've also played a game today so thank you so much for coming on we always like to round off with a few sort of quick fire more fun questions and one we like to start with usually is what's your favourite item at a cricket tea? At a cricket what? Cricket tea, like a you know English we have afternoon tea, which is always like you know Victoria sponge, little quiches, sausage rolls. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I just don't know if this is a thing you do in Australia very much, but no, we don't. We don't. We don't do that. We don't do that. We're usually yeah pretty bad with catering. To be perfectly honest, there might be a bag of chips and a couple of beers, but. And a cricket tea. Well, I'm like gonna you, you imitated the English like cricket tea. Cricket <laughs> tea. I am a bit of a sucker for scone, a scone, jam and cream. I can't. I don't think you can go really kind of too far past that. Yeah, we'll give you that. You can have that one. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. You take it back to Australia with you though. You know, you can keep your <laughs> what is it? Your jats. Although jats actually are next level snack. Jets are fantastic and I've been to all the supermarkets and you guys don't do jets and it's really it's really a sad thing. There's actually like an Aussie cafe quite near where I live. So I will frequent it and next time I'm at one of your games, I'll come armed with boxes of jets and just like That would be fantastic. I would appreciate that. That's okay. I got you. Thank you. <laughs> what is your favorite sledge either that you've heard or that you've used? This is a hard one for me because I don't sledge and I don't know. We don't really kind of hit, like, uh, this is a really lame, but like, I, I don't think like women's cricketers really sledge much. I, I'm honestly drawing a blank because I cannot even kind of think of anything right now. I think sometimes we just hit, I think sometimes girls sort of sledge almost for more fun. They try and pick the cheesiest ones ever. We used to always use send those bales to Wales, which I guess you could use in Australia, send those bales in New South Wales. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like the stumps of hunger, give them a cherry, that kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't um, know if I'd classify that as a sledge, but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I think it's, it's more girl sledging. It's, I hate saying things yeah. like something, but that is girly sledging. Yeah, and we'll go yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If you 
didn't play cricket, what would you want to do? Any job? Any job ever. I'd probably want to be a professional surfer on the world surfing, surfing circuit. How good are you at surfing? Not that good, but good enough to hold my own, but not that good. Interesting. That's a really, that'd be a cool job. Longy wanted to be a weather woman, so. Yeah, no. You want to either do that or maybe maybe a food critic. That'd be pretty cool. What, a bit like John Tarode a la MasterChef? Oh, on? yeah. We've got yeah. a guy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, MasterChef style, that'd be good. As long as it's good food and you're getting paid to eat it, that'd be great. I yeah. suppose there are worse things to, to be doing. <laughs> yeah, you've thought this Definitely. one through. I like it. The last TV series you binge-watched? Queer Eye for the straight cut. No, Queer Eye. It's just Queer Eye now. Queer Eye. Nice. Good choice. Oh, my God. So good. Such a good... It's just such a good feel-good um series, you know? Yeah, I have that with this. You know when you're like really shit ones and people don't really get why you watch it? Queer Eye at least is good. Sometimes you watch terrible yeah. stuff, you know, like it's just feelings, yeah. you know, like it's a really rubbish film, but I like it. Yeah. I know the one. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what Queer Eye is. It's, it's great. Just, that and um, um, it's, a brain it's like a brain massage, you know? It's just... Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Favourite genre of music? Indie rock. Hmm. Favourite musician? Middle Kids. They're an Australian band, so that probably doesn't help you. What to go to cocktail? when you're celebrating oh tommy's margarita we've been having them since being here they're fantastic can highly recommend nice love that i love you two yeah. just like hanging out in birmingham with your margaritas <laughs> yeah yeah you need to when you have a 16 month old margaritas are necessary yeah i can imagine <laughs> would do you want him to play cricket or is it whatever whatever he fancies when he picks up has he got a mini cricket bat yet he does not have a mini cricket bat he has many, many, many balls. Anytime that we go into a store, he's always picking up balls and we're, to be fair, they're like a pound, so that's fine. But no, he does not have a mini cricket bat. And I am neither going to encourage nor deter him from playing cricket. It's what will be, will be. You know what he does need, though, is a Sparks baby mm-hmm. vibe going on or onesie or something like that. You need with the, the sparks basically need to make baby stash. They did. They they gave him a Warwickshire bear today, so he has a little bit of merch. Obviously, that's not a sparks kit, but I feel like we're on the right with that. Yeah, and then the bright orange of the phoenix. You're all set. You're gonna be. You're gonna have so much stuff. You're not gonna know what to do when you fly back to Australia at the end of it all, basically. That's what I always find. As soon as I go away, I come back with so much more than I meant to, and I don't even have a kid. Song. Um, go to karaoke song would be Janet Jackson together again. We haven't had that one before. We we I don't think we've even had Janet Jackson before. We quite often get ABBA. Yeah, Dancing Queen. That's always yeah, but that's that's what's expected of you. You know, go a little bit left of field, and Janet's a great time. Either that, or sometimes Shania Twain is a good time. Yeah, or a bit of Dolly. I like a bit of Dolly. Yeah, 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 nine to five, yeah. Alex, any more? Nope, I think we're all questioned out. We've probably exhausted you with our incessant <laughs> We will let you go have an actual evening. Go get a margarita. <laughs> You're going to need it. You're like 16-year-old. Yeah. 16-year-old? Oh, Christ, he aged quickly, didn't he? Oh, 16-month-old is nothing compared to having to listen to Georgie and Alex run out <laughs> So, Erin Burns, can you just let our <laughs> listeners please know where they can find you on the social medias, on the MySpace, the Bieber? No, I'm kidding. Just where can they find you on social media? That, that still is- um, 
on the gram. I'm at EA Burns 88. And that's across all platforms, actually. So go out there and keep it consistent. Love that. Love yeah. that continuity for you. Yeah. Not weird shoving in an underscore or a different number. So your password suddenly has to have 100 different numbers in it and then you don't know your own password. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, haven't we all? God, we do sound old, don't we? Oh, and then that to change my password for my MySpace. <laughs> Just add another one at the end and away you go. Literally exclamation marks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for joining us. It's been it's been fab to chat to you. And we look forward to seeing what you do with the Sparks, with the Phoenix, and what's to all going our on Aussie cricket-wise this upcoming do, summer. You and can follow us keep on doing Twitter and TikTok. We'll keep watching you take speckies, take wickets and hit runs. On Instagram really? at Women's <laughs> awesome. Thanks chat. so much, guys. I and if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at GeorgiaHeath27, at CassieCoombs98, at MahikaVarshini, and I'm at Alexander Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.